Hello and welcome to Coach in Your Corner, powered by Last 20 Sports Conditioning. The goal of this podcast is to show you everything you need to know about sports conditioning. We'll be talking with current players, current coaches, physios, nutrition specialists and anyone that can help you to become the athlete that you want to be. This week we're speaking to Jay Main, who's a physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach. You can find her on Instagram at jmain.performance. Hey Jay, you're right. Hey brother, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Sort of just pushing through the last month now until until we can get the gyms back open. So, how's things over there? Yeah, man. No, we're yeah we're in a very lucky situation to sort of be um open with our gyms and up and running again, and including in our clinic and our gyms. So, I can um yeah very much empathise with what you guys are going through with how we sort of had a very similar situation for about six or seven months last year. So. Yeah, how are yeah. you doing? Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, pushing through with the online bit. Yeah, kind of help some guys. With sort of, we can do outdoor sessions at the moment here, one to one. So we've been doing little bits of that, but yeah, just trying mm-hmm. to push through really. How's it been in Australia? Did you have to close all the facilities and everything, or have you been able to keep doing stuff? Yeah, we went through a patch last year. I'd say for about six or seven months. I reckon we were closed for maybe about three months of it. So we, we closed for about the first the first month and the initial lockdown came and then things started to open a little bit again with restrictions and then we had quite a heavier lockdown in that second part of the year so yeah same as you guys just um really hitting in on the online stuff and getting creative and we could still see some people that were deemed as very urgent but the criteria for urgent was if you're on the way to hospital um was pretty much it so yeah so very limited and um but it's nice to actually be able to work this year with freedom, a lot more freedom and actually be able to set goals and be able to see, you know, into the future a bit more with what we're trying to achieve. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Did you you have to adapt your sort of practices quite a lot to, to cope with going outside and online? Yeah. Yep. So a lot of that before, we didn't really do a lot of online options, really. So, yeah, lots of telehealth type stuff, lots of programming. So I do a lot of one-on-one consults with them online and set people up with programs and had a lot of triathletes on board, you know, rugby players, basketballs, a bunch of sort of everybody really that just wanted to try and have blocks of work that they could really get through. So it was nice to be able to do something and create something like that. So I guess the online world has really opened up a lot for us now, which is really great. Even like being able to do this now with you. Yeah, it's definitely been quite big for me. I've, I've jumped on Clubhouse as yeah. well and been connecting with a lot of coaches from South Africa and all over. So it's been great to really dive into yeah. the online world. Just want to give uh, everyone a quick a quick bit on what you sort of do, what you cover in your job. Cool. So I'm a um, I'm a physio is my um my, how I started out as, and it was actually it's after I graduated that I got heavily into rugby and basketball with physio side of things. So I. Worked with rugby teams as a student, very much sort of got into the high performance straight after graduating and did a lot of work with high performance back home in Otago, Highlanders, would help out with that sort of area. And then got into sort of like New Zealand sevens, especially on the female side with rugby and then a lot of New Zealand basketball. So I was really travelling a lot for those first few years nationally and internationally and and I saw that big gap of my role was very much conditioned, like, you know, the strength rehab and conditioning as well, and realised how much we don't actually get taught a lot of that at uni. So a lot of my post-grad studies that I went on to do was all in strength and conditioning and 
everything since then has been more around biomechanics and functional training and just trying to really fill that gap, which is what I do now basically is um, I think there's amazing, you know, hands-on therapists out there and amazing SNCs, but there's that really big gap in between that we miss a lot. So I love to do even the end stage of rehab and take over the SNC side, but I really love being able to prime an athlete and get them prepped so that when they go to training, go work with their coach and their trainer, you've kind of got the green light to do everything because we're tapped into biomechanics, movement patterns, that kind of stuff. So that's sort of that's basically what I do now is I'm very much around performance and trying to help achieve peak performance to make your guys' job, you know, that much easier as well. So um so that's that's the area I work in within a clinic too that there's a team of about twenty of us now. So same kind of approach. Everyone's got their skill set, but it's all about the athlete and the client that we look after. Yeah. Yeah, I love that approach. It's something um, yeah. I've had quite a few injuries myself, uh, as as you know. It, it helped me with my ankle problems yeah. about this time last year, and it's something I've definitely seen that I could add to my coaching as well. As is developing the full player, so making sure that that injury reduction's in place before we then start getting into the high performance and the big power work, especially with rugby players. It's, there's a lot of high impact, and you need to really make sure that soft tissue and and the joints are all moving. And, actually strong enough to deal with that load what have you sort of learned through lockdown then that sort of where you've had to adapt and change things up have you learned a few bits whilst you've had the time to yeah no I definitely used the time to just sort of upskill in areas that I could I delved pretty heavily into like the female side of training and really getting my head around all the menstrual cycle and actually being able to train females like females that was a big area that I've really sort of headed into and really wanting to tap into the teenage years as well to get on top of that so that's been great and work with a lot of female rugby players too with regards to that with their programming and how we actually use the cycle our hormone cycle to actually get the most out of the female athlete and performance as well it worked a lot with functional range type of training as well so I've done a few different courses around training a human like a human needs to move basically has been a huge area too and then Really got him into all of the, the pregnant athlete type of stuff as well, which I know we have a chat about after too. So it's sort of some of the big areas in the gaps that I've seen that we need to just aren't really done that well. So, yeah, I love all my sporting side, but sort of, yeah, trying to tap into some areas that I think um, we can help a lot of people out with. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it's, it's been looking really good. On, I saw you do the, um, the Women's Week back in last year, and then you've also got yeah. the pregnant athlete stuff that we'll, we'll look at in a bit. but. Just want to quickly jump into mobility because I know you, you you do a lot on that and you've helped me with that. So do you just want to explain why mobility is so important for the people that are still umming and on about it and seem to think that they, it's not really the, the main thing. They'd rather be moving weights. But why is mobility so important, especially to athletes? Yeah, so there's, there is a difference between flexibility and mobility. So flexibility is obviously just stretching a joint and trying to get the range a bit bigger. But mobility is actually being able to open up a joint to the desired range that you need to perform, but actually having the motor control within that range to do it. So that is the difference between mobility and flexibility. So you're actually doing movements with the purpose to be able to perform. So I'm very big on a lot of the stuff we do put up with mobility. There is, I've always, I've always tried to hammer home though that although we're doing mobility, you should have, which will go into the activation and the motor patterning to be able to actually use that range. So it's just like with a rugby player, if you've got tight hips, back, shoulders, and you're actually trying to um, perform certain movements, 
you're going to hit that end range so much quicker than what you what your body is you're trying to put your body through and that's when we can sort of lead to injuries you can't achieve peak performance if you don't have the available range to actually move so that's the, the biggest thing as well so if you're trying to stride out when you're sprinting and you're limited through your ankle movements you know you're not going to get that that stride that toe off action that will trigger your whole posterior chain which will then power you forward same if your hips limited if you can't fully extend out the back um, you're not going to reach that peak performance. So you can, you can do all the weight training you want, but you're not going to tap into those extra ranges that will actually help you achieve your strength. So that's that's for a, from a performance point of view, it's it's really big and injuries as well. Yeah, I was speaking with some front rows earlier today actually, and um, yeah. they were talking about having poor mobility in in the plantar fascia and and in the ankle. And when they did get to sorting that out, and they started going through the mobility exercises the power in their hit and the scrum and the power they were able to actually produce mm. just went up so much by having that time, even if it was a small, tiny bit of extra mobility, the amount of extra power you can develop by having the right biomechanics is huge. Absolutely. And especially for your front rowers, like you get so many turf toes and that's, um, you know, that limited movement of the big toe action, it absolutely changes the way that your rest of your body moves because that's, that's where most of your load goes through when you're pushing and when you're running. So, yeah, for a front row, it's a massive focus for me on their big toe, big toe mobility and their ankle mobility as well. Yeah. So when should we be doing mobility? I see a lot of conflicting ideas, especially on Instagram. So people saying before you work out, after a workout, before you go to bed, when you wake up. When when do you think is the best time to be doing those mobility exercises? I honestly reckon you can do it at any point in time there's been no research to say that if you do too much at the start you're going to call, cause injury but there, there actually isn't so it all depends on what your goal is and what you're trying to achieve so the mobility you do before you train or play might be slightly different to what you do to recover afterwards so it really depends on okay what is my body what am I going to put my body through what am I training or am I playing and, and even just how you're feeling as well so I always really target if you can think of the body sort of broken up into three key sections, so you've got your foot and ankle, so your big toe, foot and ankle, then you've got your pelvis, and then you've got your upper trunk as well. So from a mobility point of view, you actually need all sections of your body moving well because if you've got one jammed up, one slightly rotated or shortened, it's going to change the biomechanics of the rest of the body. So I'd always give a really good guideline um, when I'm educating as well is just to target something from every area of that, that body. And it might be it's more your hips that need to be done at some point in time. Or so, you know, whether it's an ankle traction movement, if you've got a history of ankle injuries, your groin's really tight, hit that, and maybe like some thoracic extensions over the foam roller just to put yourself in a good position. So I'd always be thinking that you've got to hit those three areas of the body. Um, and then for afterwards as well, I'm pretty big on mobility too with regards to after training before your next session basically because if you can actually restore the tissue and as you know, recovery comes with, you know, it's not just your mobility, it's your hydration, your food, your sleep, even just going for a walk. Um, the mobility side of things for that will help you recover for the next day. So again, there's really no guy. I think anyone who's very opposed to one or the other yeah, it'd be interesting why they would think that. But I think at any point in time, you can do mobility and we'll benefit from it. Yeah, it's something I've definitely included in my warm-ups personally. did quite a lot of stuff last June after you, you sent me those ankle work. And it 
complete cool. within two or three months my back pain had started going where I'd actually getting that functionality back and and not overworking mm-hmm. hamstrings and, and hip flexors by having the poor mobility so it's something that yeah I include always before any workout and I find the range I can cool. get now in my in my squats I can I can get down low um, and it just causes a lot less pain from in the recovery process but then I also put it in in the evening so I always do a little mobility before I go to bed make sure the body is back moving and so that I find helps me a lot in the morning when I do want to get up and do stuff straight away yeah. you've not got all that tightness yeah. there from the day before you touched briefly on activation as well with that so when would we when would we be using activation as opposed to mobility so I'd always sort of put in a bit of mobility activation straight after your mobility before you train and before you play and again it's just priming it's really more about priming the nervous system because the nervous system can take a bit of time to wake up really. And again, you just be targeting certain movements that you're going to go ahead and do. So if you are in the gym and you're doing weighted type stuff, the activation type exercise you should be doing is exactly what you're going to be doing through training. So there's always got to be a purpose and a reason behind every exercise you do. Um, so, yeah, so very similar to a warm-up type of thing as well. So whether it's training or playing, um, so then that's when afterwards I don't really do any activation as such um, after training or playing. Um, there is a type of mobility and activation that you can do to try and – so let's just say at the end of the day, um, if you are wanting to achieve a little bit more mobility, there is a style of stretching that you can do, putting yourself through the end range and just doing some isometric contractions. So that's, you know there's that type of activation you can do to get more muscle length and um, tissue tissue length as well but I'd say yeah it's more mobility than activation activation with purpose before you go to train or play that's when I'd basically do it and then your mobility is later on in the day what's the main sort of areas you target with that activation then is it is it the big major muscle groups or is it more the sort of those accessory and stabilizing muscles that we're trying to hit with activation yeah so if you were doing if we were doing a strength training in the gym or something like that I'd be hitting a lot of the stabilizers so really, um, again, getting, you know, whether it even is just a simple calf raises, activating your big toe, trying to get your calf, hamstring and glute on. So you can chuck a band around your mid-calves for that as well. It could be a frog stretch, you know, getting into a groin stretch, but then actually doing some isometric contractions for your groin, which as soon as you do that, you go to a squat, you'll find you'll get a lot deeper. And then again, yeah, thoracic type stuff as well. Once you've done your mobility, it could be really targeting lower traps, serratus anterior as well, just to try and get good activation through your stabilizers. And then whatever movements you are going to be doing, if you're going to be able to do some deadlifts or something, you'd want to be doing some form of hinging, some lat work as well, just to get everything engaged. And yeah, so again, just very purposeful with whatever it is the movement's actually going to be. A lot of the activation, though, if we were trying to retrain running or retrain like the gait pattern, is I definitely work within the real inner and outer ranges. So, for example, a hamstring, we train within a certain range to try and get our hamstrings right, but we don't always train that real outer range or the hamstring in its shortest range. So I would always target, especially in my rehab and stuff, is they're targeting those inner and outer ranges so that you're more efficient when you're actually walking and striding out. And a lot of people, we have to retrain motor patterns with walking. Everyone, even everyone that walk, looks like they walk okay, but if you've had an old ankle injury, depending how you load and how you strike the ground, yeah, we, we do have to retrain all those different ranges. 
Yeah. So is that is that a big part of your your work then is actually retraining those motor, uh, movement patterns and making sure people are, are moving a lot better than they previously were? That's it. Yeah. And that needs to be the goal. I think with everyone doing rehab is and conditioning is to get people better than what they were before, because if you get them back to where they were before you've probably just got them back to where their imbalances were originally and why they've overloaded the tissue. Unless there's obviously been a freak accident where someone's come in and, you know, blown your knee out. But if you've, yeah, torn a hammy or done an ACL or something like that off movement, you need to get, it's, the, it's all your imbalances need to be looked at, retrain your motor patterns because it's been something in your body um, that's not been quite right. So we need to get you better than before. Yeah. How do you use them in your rehab then? Can you talk us through what sort of bits you do and how you would work with an athlete to get those mobility and activation stuff into a rehab program? Yeah, so I um, definitely with my assessment, I always do like a really thorough physio assessment, like biomechanical assessment to start with. So from the very start, obviously going through all the history and everything, we'll look at gait assessment. So walking is always a big area that we look at. Um, because it's going to tell us just how someone's loading. You look at their feet, what their pelvis is doing, their stride length, what their upper trunk's doing. Um, looking at functional movements like a squat, so you can tell a lot from a squat depending on how people are shifting their weight, what their ankles do, what their trunk does. Look at shoulder movement. Even looking at a calf raise, you can tell if someone's laterally loading. So if they've got stiff, stiff through their midfoot, that might be how they strike the ground. So they're just really lateral loaders, don't use their glutes. The other ones to get tight TFLs, you know, at the side of our hips, it's always a good indicator that we're using our TFLs to propel ourselves forward and our hip flexors instead of our glutes. So I go off an assessment like that and then with a bunch of other things and whether it's hands-on physio treatment, then once we've got those biomechanics moving a bit better because there's only so much we can do with hands-on, that's when I go out into the gym and actually go through mobility targeting as an extension of what we've done basically. Because, you know, like we can we can do all the rolling and, you know, deep tissue work we want, but unless we motor pad it, put the motor padding into it, we won't get long-term results. So that's when I'd go through basic mobility, targeting those three big areas of the body. And depending off assessment, if it's glute stuff, we need to stay, look at stabilisation, upper trunk stuff, because we need the upper trunk strong to be able to move well through our lower body. But then I've got some motor patterning that we do as well with bands and stuff like that to retrain how to connect the upper body with the lower body and the big toe so that you can actually retrain the gait pattern. But that's, so that's what I'd send away some people for their first session is just repetition of mobility and the activation to retrain the gait pattern. Because as soon as we retrain that, then you can actually start adding in so much more in the next session. And that's all the foundations to be able to then squat well, run well, deadlift well, do you know, do all those sort of functional movements. So and I'm very big on just repetition. So it's that good buy in the education at the start so that people do what you say. <laughs> so the more and more you do, it takes you know, it takes about a thousand reps for our body to change your movement pattern. So um, you've got to really educate that if you hammer this home, we can move forward and yeah, get people moving so much better. So that's that's how I'd structure and start to bring it in. Yeah, um, something people seem to forget. Um, they'll, they'll go out and kick the ball 100 times a day and they'll go out and pass the ball 100 yeah. times a day, but mm. they forget that in order to be able to pass and, and kick that ball, they need to have that functional movement there to, to get them into the right Absolutely. positions in their sport. 
So yeah, once you've got them through that rehab stage, what are you, how are you then using that mobility and activation once they're then trying to progress and start improving? Yeah, so the a lot of the stuff that I'd send away would be their main exercises to start with. And then once they come back in, um, that's when I'd add in yeah, your functional stuff like your squats, looking at your step-ups. Um, I do a lot of movements with kettlebells. So I do still do a lot of combined movements with kettlebells, bands, landmines just to connect the whole body, you know, the trunk, the pelvis and the, the feet as well. And also just the brain, getting the brain connecting with your left and your right side. So those exercises I'd give at the start, they'd then come back. And it may be that those we drop off a couple and reintroduce some stuff. And if I'm programming, those just might become some of the activation stuff now before we actually move into the, the lifts and all that type of stuff, you know, good strength, strength of the session. And then again, and I lay this all out at the beginning as the steps so that I think that's what's important is that people can visually see where they're going so that we're trying to achieve move well first, get your activation underway. Then we'll do good strength type of, you know, good strength block. Then we bring in the power. So once we've done all this stuff, you'll just get most out of your power because your left and your right side are actually working so much more even. You can connect the brain. You don't have to think as much because we've done all the motor patterning. And then that's how that just leads into performance really well. So once you actually get people out on the field, I guess that anxiety, you know, it, it really drops off when you know you've done all the work and known all the steps of why we've done what we've done. Nothing's been chucked in there randomly. It's all been really purposeful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's huge yeah. for, for athletes as well because they, they don't see that technical side of it that we Nah. We've done the. We've had a look at those workbooks. We've had a look at the research that's been done, and we know that following these processes is going to get them to that point that they want to be at. But we yeah. can't always yeah. tell them all of that that sciencey side. They don't want to know all that. But actually, being able to break it down into plans for people and go, look, if we hit this step, that's going to mean we can hit the next step, which means we can hit that. That's when they can really start understanding sort of the why behind it, rather than just the how of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know. And same as you, like I've been through so many injuries myself as well. And um, I just know, yeah, what makes you compliant is education and having good goals and being able to see the steps to the goal just makes it so much easier. So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Is there anything else you focus on for athletes then, or is it is mobility and activation and, and getting them moving properly really your main focus? And then and then it's sort of letting them get on with the performance after that, or is there sort of other things that you really try and help them progress with whilst you've got them? Uh, no, I still, yeah, so I'll, I'll even get into the whole strengthening addition side as well. So I just I just make sure that that gap in between is done really, really well. Sometimes I'll hand over, yeah, people to our S&C, just depending on what people's goals are or what area. I think it's always good that if you know that, you know, if we've got a um, one of our S&Cs is an incredible, been a great soccer player, you know, it's his big background and everything like that. So I was, I was dealing with someone in footy like that who can make really sport-specific and just know those ins and outs, then I'd hand over the S&C side to him. So get, him, get the athlete really prepped up and then get him good to go. If it was a basketballer, I'd take them. Basketball or rugby player, I'd be involved from the start to the very end. So, yeah, the full strength and conditioning, um, working with the coach, return to runs. I'm doing a few at the moment. So people coming back from Achilles operations, old ACL injuries and stuff like that. So doing the return to play right at the very end as well. So it's just knowing skill set, I guess, as well, and what your interests are too. And if there's someone who 
I'm seeing get them to a certain point, but I think they're really suited for the end stage with someone else, then I'm happy with that too. So love the end stage, but I really love that chunk in the middle as well. Yeah, we've got to make it individualised for each athlete, haven't we? And, and know our yeah. own limits, as you say. And if there is people that can Absolutely. help them better, then our goal as a coach is, is to make sure they get to that point. So whether that's handing it over to someone else or mm. doing it ourselves, we need to know ourselves first, but then also know that network around us that can help the athlete. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the chat so far. If you do want to find out more about sports conditioning, we are running a webinar on the 25th of March. Just message James on Instagram at L20 underscore sports conditioning to find out more and to get signed up for free. Now let's get back to it. Yeah, so looking into sort of individualised training, like I just said, and obviously that comes with people are having those different injuries, like you said, with the ACLs and, and things. I know you're doing some really individualised stuff at the moment with the pregnant athletes. I don't know if you wanted to quickly jump into that and explain oh, more yeah. on what you're doing with that. Yeah, no, that's been so we've we've worked with um we've got a really good crew in our clinic and there's been two of us like myself and another colleague especially that have really um been working with a lot of pregnant athletes because there's not a lot out there. There's great stuff if you want to do Pilates or basic activation, but if you've got big training background or you know performance background your foundations for movements are actually great and there's still so much that you can do throughout pregnancy and being told that you can do not you know it's almost like everything's out there told what you're not supposed to do but there's not a lot of what you know you can do when there's actually a lot and so yeah so I'm actually so I'm 28 weeks into my pregnancy and I realized very much as soon as I was getting pregnant when I actually looked into all the stuff that's out there of how little there is so I was training a lot of pregnant athletes before and then obviously my interest has like gone right right into it too and yeah it's just incredible yeah the lack of the lack of help and I guess empowerment it's all very much don't do this don't do that and coming from a place where people don't actually know so so you said the moment we're sort of creating a um and we, we've got this that we run through our athletes with and in general population too, but we're actually putting something together that's going to be pretty incredible. Probably in about six months it'll be finished, but like a four to 40 week program. So, and it's basically, there is some great stuff. There's some good stuff out there run by personal trainers, but the it's not biomechanical or hormonal. The changes around there with how your body, you know, your, your structure, your body actually changes. Nothing's targeting that. So we're looking at basically, just even for example, like just with how your pelvis sits will change throughout time. The width cage, um, the width of your rib cage changes. You know, you get a wider base of support. So there's a lot of stuff that throughout our programming we bring in for similar to how I train an athlete normally. You'd still be doing weights. You can still get the heart rate up. You'd be doing a lot of stuff to retrain the gait throughout. So that's a big area that we'll be doing too. So that's party activation, lots of banded work. But that it's been a really cool thing to actually play around with. And I think that there's actually a lot of good evidence out there that really supports staying fit and healthy during your pregnancy. Yeah, I, I remember on my when I was going through my personal trainer course a couple of years ago, it was sort of mm. the, the warning was given fairly soon on to sort of not go out of your limits. And, and that particularly came with, uh, with youth athletes. So sort of underneath 14, but then also mm. with pregnant women. And it's very um, it's very pushed on you to go and do a postnatal course so that you can train um, women properly after the pregnancy. But 
there's just no mention at all of doing it during the pregnancy. And I think that is just, as you said, it's a fear. There's a lack of the research in it. So people just sort of shy away from it. Can you dispel some myths? Because we see a lot of them. I heard you you said a couple of them just a minute ago, but there's there's obviously quite a few myths that go around of people saying you so you can't play sport or, or running's unsafe and lifting's unsafe, getting the heart rate up. So is there some things you've heard that you, you just know are definitely not true and you found through the programme yeah. that you should actually be doing? Yeah, it, it, just even going into the heart rate, like the guideline that everyone, even like the Australia, you know, all of the boards and everything around like pregnancy and all that kind of stuff, will actually talk about more your like your perceived exertion, your rate of perceived exertion. So it's actually more that type of scale in your heart rate. So for a lot of us, your heart rate can actually get up really high when you train anyway. And I'm actually one of those people. My heart rate can go really up, but I recover quite quickly. So I'd be going more by how out of breath I am. So that's actually a really good measure. So for people to say you should only, you know, keep your heart rate between one, you know, below 150, like, yeah, that's not going to be the case for a lot of people. But as long as you can actually still breathe and talk, that's the main thing. So, you know, we educate all our females around that. And as long as you're not taking up some kind of new form of training, like if, if you've never run before or you've never done, you know, big weights before, we wouldn't recommend that you go do that during pregnancy anyway. So it's basically what you did before, you can definitely still continue on, but it's just given the education of, you know, knowing how your breath is, there's a few other things as well with bracing. So you do want to try and look after like pelvic floor. So you want to give all the education for that. You don't want to be overstraining the abdomen too much. So it's just giving cues of when you know you kind of need to drop off stuff. Because there is, there's going to be certain things that you need. You'll know when you need to stop doing burpees because it's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> and same with running. Like if you feel really comfortable and you're in good control of your body and everything is feeling great, then you can run up until the point that you don't feel like you've got that control so and that's going to be different for everyone different backgrounds depending on how their body's growing what's happening with it so it's more just educating yeah yeah like we said some people might run up until 16 weeks some might run up until 28 weeks you know it's 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 all very different for individuals so it's more just making it individualized I'd yeah like you said I'd, I'd really get off the internet and actually hit someone up who's sort of experienced in the area because there's there's a lot of like anything, it's very easy to say don't do this and don't do that. It's almost a safety sort of side, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's apparent in a lot of things. People see these things, exercises and, and stuff on and videos on Instagram and then think yeah. they can go and replicate it. But as we know, different oh, yeah. biomechanics can change things. You just might not have the power to be doing these certain movements as well. Mm-hmm. So you, I think, yeah, the, the tip on really just listening to your own body and seeing what yeah. you can do is huge. That comes down with any training. If you're having a bad day and you're not sure, you can get that training session in there. Drop it back. If you've only got six out of ten, well, go for that six out of ten, but make it a six out of six and just push yourself to that point. But know that that's your limit of the day and that's fine to be doing that as long as you're getting as much as you can in. Yeah, well, that's absolutely right. So it's just listening to your body. And, I mean, we we do all this prehab and everything for, like, ACL surgeries and and Coricos, but, you know, I don't understand why we would tell people to just take it easy for nine months to prep for this massive event <laughs> and then um, expect the recovery, right, recovery, you know, to be easy. So I think the stronger and, you know, healthy you can keep your body. And that's just my point of view. And, you know, when you're trying to look after yourself and what's growing and you like 
you know, one of the best things you can do, obviously, is your nutrition and keeping fit and healthy. So just like we prep for any um, sort of big operation or anything, we we want to prep for this event so that afterwards we can recover well, you know, be as fit and healthy as we can to look after our new one. So that's where my, yeah, my head comes from with that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What would be the main things then to focus on, as you say, to, to make sure that your body's ready for, for the, the big event and also to be recovering afterwards? What would you be wanting to, what would you suggest people actually focus on in, in their training to, to get them ready? Um, definitely mobility. We go back to the mobility as well, so always adding in the mobility, um, especially through, it's going to be through the hips, so massively through the pelvis is the biggest one. The pelvis has the biggest change. So hip flexors, hamstrings, if you get those loosened up, um, they can actually take a bit of pressure as well off your um, SIJs too. So that you're sort of targeting those areas to help get rid of any discomfort you might have. Um, your thoracic spine is your big one too, because obviously everything's wanting to bring you forward. So trying to keep everything nice and upright will actually help you walk a little bit better as things do get tougher. So those will be incorporated in with all the sessions. And then the biggest thing with training is you can still do all your lifting and that type of stuff, but I actually add a lot of split stance to all the training. So um, even now, like if I was doing deadlifts, I do a lot of stuff in split stance. Uh, lots of reverse lunges, lots of lateral work. So everything that can actually stabilize my pelvis. So even all the, like I said, all the re the re gate, like the, the training of the gate again, is um, heaps of banded work landmine stuff as well to get the whole body connected because you want that like we said that big stability around the pelvis so anything that stabilizes the pelvis is what you're really trying to trying to work on throughout pregnancy because the goal is obviously to be fit and healthy but my goal is also to keep pain free (laughs) which is going well so far so um i think yeah it's just knowing what exercises to do so yeah. Yeah, I just want to jump on just you said there about keeping pain free and we'll jump into mindset quickly just looking at dealing with that sort of when you do get the pain obviously. I know myself I I got really down about um another ankle injury and then back pain came which put me out of training for a while. How do you help athletes and people that come to you deal with that injuries and pain and and how have you 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 dealt with it yourself as well? Yeah, I think even before, like, with the goal setting, and I think really mapping out so the the pathway because and, and just that empathy to you know it is disheartening when you've had an injury and um and to really empathise with that and know that you know where the person's coming from, but to, there's never a doubt in my mind that when someone comes in that we can't get them back to where they were before, if not better. So there's nothing we can't sort, and I think that. I'd love for people, like, you know, once we have our consult, to leave knowing that you are going to get better and actually planning that out. So I think visually athletes need to see a plan from the start. It doesn't have to be completely detailed, but if you can give them a roundabout sort of figuring what, what are the, some of the steps we're going to work through over the next week, this is your big focus, you know, might be pain levels, movement, getting on the bike three times over the next week. You know, whatever it is, like, short, like you have a really short-term focus, with a big goal in the end stage, but I think you've just got to get that help with the education and I I think just planning with goal setting is the biggest thing so that you can see what I can see because I know that you're going to be fine, but you need to be able to see the plan. (laughs) And as well as like if there's something that's been going on for a long time or it's been repetitive or 
someone is in a really low, you know, in a really difficult patch. That's when you also do want to reach out to, um, you know, mental skills coaches or anything like that. So we've got a couple of contacts as well with that. When people have had ongoing injuries for years as well and get really disheartened that we might need to, you know, bring in someone else as well, just to, again, collectively working as a team and making sure that if I don't think I can get, you know, the headspace through that, who can I reach out to that could have another view and how do we get them through that? So I think planning, like I said, goal setting is huge, short-term and long-term as a practitioner or as a trainer or SNC needs to be really laid out to the athlete and then knowing when you need to reach out maybe for that extra bit of help as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love the idea that no player is going to come back at the same level. They're always going to... They're always going to get better by by doing this work, mm-hmm. and I think it gives them a good goal as well. I was I don't know if you saw the recent video from Jack Willis. I was obviously had a major knee injury in the Six Nations recently, but his doctor told mm-hmm. him that he would be he would be disappointed if he didn't come back at his best, if not better. Um, and that's after a horrendous knee injury. So you can see that even at at the top level, at, at elite sport, that these huge injuries we can still make people come back better you've just got to put that plan in place and have them have them focus on that end goal as you say and the little steps that are going to get towards it it may not happen in the three months that you want it to happen but if you just keep pushing at it and and constantly reviewing and changing that plan to make sure it's specific to yourself you're going to get to that better point eventually yeah absolutely and you know that's the way when someone tells you you can if you get assessed with an injury and someone says to you oh you'll be fine, you know, we've got this, we're going to do A, B and C, we'll get you better than you were before, like straight away, you're on a great path mentally, like, oh, someone's, you know, supporting me, someone knows a plan, we can work on this together. And the worst thing you ever get is when athletes or people come in and said, you know, my doctor told me I'll never be able to run again or never be able to do this again. And I just think that's the worst thing you can ever say to a person. Um so, so yes, I'm very much same as you. Very much of the, you know, the empowering side because I genuinely think with everyone we see, you can get them back to being better than before. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you? You've had um, a lot of people on those long-term injuries then, and they've had to really go through that long process. How how they? Um, how do you keep them on track with that? So you've obviously got the plan there, but if it is a long nine-month injury and they can't really see that end in sight, how do you sort of? try and keep them on that? Is it little goals along the way? Is it little um, achievements along the way to keep them motivated? Yeah, definitely. I think always the short-term goals are really big as well along the way. Um, videos, it's always really good to get videos at the start with you know how they're walking, their squat pattern at the start so that they can visually see feedback. Um, because as the athlete goes along, you know, when you're a few months into rehab, like, oh, I haven't, you know, sometimes I don't think they've made improvement when it's been a huge improvement. So I think even just having measurables, because you know what some of the measurables are, um, but it's to make sure I think along the way, get videos, and you can even just store some, you know, so that you can show them that this is where we've come from, this is where you're at, and that's always sometimes enough of a kicker to be like, oh, yeah, onto the next patch again. So, um, yeah, I can visually see when I know someone's improved their running pattern but you almost need to have that to show them to break it down. So I think, yeah, visuals and so that they can see and measurables themselves. Yep. Yeah, and we we only see them twice or so a week, maybe only once a week, yeah. and they're, they're seeing it every day, yeah. so they don't see that change that's happening because yeah. they're, 
because they're yeah. dealing with it all the time. So it's the same with um, yeah. whenever people are trying to lose weight or trying to build muscle. I always try and go for progress pictures rather than the weight on the scales or things like that because exactly. it's actually yeah. you can see that a lot clearer and it isn't just a number that you can't really put to anything. Yeah. So Absolutely. looking back at sort of return to sport then, I know you mentioned it earlier and we're getting back to sport um, on the 29th yeah. of March, hopefully. So amateur sport finally kicking back in after stopping about November last time uh, Mm -hmm. last year so what's your sort of guidance for people getting back to sport obviously we've got a month before we can do it so we've got some time to really work on things and I've been pushing mobility on Instagram a lot for people to really make sure they're moving properly but how can we make sure that we're getting back to rugby and or any sport in particular and we're not going to pick up an injury in the first or second training session back I think It'd be awesome if people could be really proactive as well during this time. Can they come in to get assessment? So we can do... Physio conditioning coach or... Uh, yeah, so for if it's for medical, you can go and see a physio, osteopath, things like that. But in yeah. terms of actual strength and conditioning training or fitness training, the max you can have is one-to-one outside at the moment. One-to-one. Yeah. I'd want athletes to be very proactive and get a session in, you know, the likes of yourself to actually have a look at all the movement patterns, obviously not just the strength and conditioning side, but for someone to actually look at the squat, look at the lunge, and actually look at the movement patterns that might be a bit off. You know, like from sitting for so long at home now, you might see the glutes aren't switching on well or hip flexors are really shortened up. Thoracic and lats and pecs are always going to be a big one. But for you to actually get an assessment in for the next four weeks so that you know some specific stuff, yourself as well so I'd be very on the be proactive to the athlete get in with a P, you know PT SNC coach health practitioner just to get your whole body looked at if you can and then that can give you some individualized stuff to work on again I'd go through like we said the mobility side of things hit if you can't get in hit those three areas foot and ankle your pelvis and your thoracic spine to always incorporate that the big thing is I wouldn't miss strength. So this is like the time that everyone's probably like, oh man, I've got to get my K's up running, which you need to and everything like that. But I'd say really plan out your weeks over the next four weeks of how you're going to fit in, you know, all your strength work, your mobility, plus your conditioning too. But you wouldn't want to taper off your strength just yet. So that would be, yeah, my, my big one as well. And then doing your recovery really, really well. I think that's the thing is these next four weeks you'd almost have to do more and be more diligent than ever because <laughs> the you know because we haven't been playing sport for so long so it's almost that time to really sit down plan out your week be proactive and yeah you've got to target everything even your sleep and your nutrition <laughs> a lot yeah <laughs> yeah I think it's as you say it's really important to just take it on yourself yeah. to to get yourself there yeah it's you don't want to be if you you can put four weeks in now have a little bit of work do a little bit of research yourself and put that plan together and it's going to mean you can actually maybe if we can play a couple of games before the season ends over here we you can actually play it or the alternative is you turn up ready and really excited on that first session and then you don't play till December because you've pulled a hamstring or you've torn a muscle yeah it's it's yeah it's seen that why that we talked about earlier and, and going actually no I'll put these couple of weeks of work in it is going to help me in April May when I want to go out and play rugby for the first time in a year yeah and, and that's it with a lockdown that you guys have had that long like the body 
that's that's tough. You guys have done amazing. Like mentally, that's that's huge. Um, but on the body, that's that's tough. So um, and the body's as you know, the body's designed to move. It does not like to sit. So coming out of a very long lockdown like you guys had, we actually need to put in like double the work of what we normally would to get prepped for sports. So yeah, absolutely. Like you'd want to go in making sure you've done a bit of work so that you can have a you know great couple of games, which will be you know just so good for the soul. And then um, hopefully you, you can be good to go again for the next season. So I'd just say yeah, double the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely something I'm trying yeah. to push to people. Yeah, just yeah. up that bit of workload now and and make sure that you yeah. can go and enjoy it because that's all we want to do. We just want to have another game of game of mm. whatever sport we play and then see all our mates in the clubhouse afterwards rather than sitting in the back of an emergency room yeah. with a bandage on. So, well, yeah. it's great stuff, Jay. I think we've covered quite a lot there and um, yeah. we've dived into some bits that uh, people should be looking at and I hope, hopefully we'll be starting to look at more. I know mobility is really picking up in, in a lot of sport and people are now really seeing the benefit of that. Mm. So, hopefully people can take some advice from today and, and incorporate into their programmes. I just wanted to finish with your number one tip for athletes. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be prehab or in, in performance. Just the number one tip for an athlete to be able to succeed in what they want to do. An athlete to succeed in what they want to be able to do. I think just always surround yourself by good people, that like-minded people, so that are going to help you strive to be the very best Call you out on stuff, and they need to, you know, need to, you need to be called out on stuff. Um, but people that you can actually grow with and learn from is is my biggest thing. Get a team around you. So um, whether it's mates, family, SNCs, physios, yeah, just surround yourself by good people who have that common mindset and can help you achieve your goals. That's that's a big one. Yeah, I really like that, and I like the bit you yeah. say about calling you out as well because it's something that that yeah. doesn't happen a lot in England. People are sort of yeah. afraid to to have a go at their mate in case of maybe offending them or just possibly losing a friendship. But nine times out of 10, you telling someone they've done something wrong and that they need, and not just telling them they're an idiot, but actually going, look, we can help you and we can help towards becoming the thing that you should be doing is always going to be better than you just not letting them um, or not informing them, especially if you know yourself and you know you can help them. Just being quiet is, is just detrimental especially in team sport because you know you're gonna have to bail him out at the weekend when he's he's um dropped the ball or throwing a dodgy pass so yeah i think it's huge and having that support network around you and Mm. building that network so that you can um lean on people for advice and and you know you've got support if you need it that's good my man that's it i love it yeah, it's great stuff, Jay. Um, massive thank you, no, for, thank you. Um, for jumping on. I think it's pretty early in the morning for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's, it's um, 8.30 in the morning now, so that's okay. meet up was fine. Absolutely ah. fine. But no, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, we'll keep in touch anyway, and hopefully there's some good take-homes from today that can help help you guys yeah. out and some others listening. Cool. Yeah, it's great to chat. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely try and get another one in, in the future and, and look into some more yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Jay. Have a good day. Thank you. You too, brother. Thanks for jumping on to the Coach in Your Corner podcast. If you found this useful, we'll be doing these every week, so please subscribe. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Last20 Sports Conditioning.